Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Steelers show. I'm Mark Bergen, joined as always by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and Pittsburgh Steelers scout, Ike Taylor. Ike, we're in a post-Christmas world. Mason Rudolph is starting. Steelers on the outside looking in at the playoffs. The Browns are going to finish higher in the division for the first time since 1989, but there's still a chance to make the postseason. Welcome in. It's good to see you, Ike. But it has been a bizarre season, to say nonetheless. Yeah, it's a lot of scenarios, especially when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to get in the playoffs. Like you said, you said it best. We're looking at the outside. We're looking from the outside in, but you just never, 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 never know. But we'll talk about it on the show. All right, Ike, before we get too far ahead, let's tell our listeners and viewers about betonline.ag. Today's presenting sponsor, NFL Week 17, is here. The NFL season is flying by. If you want to place a bet on any of the action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. 24-7, 365, regardless on what sport it is, make sure y'all go to betonline.ag. And for people watching, you can see the promo code on your screen, B-L-E-A-V. Use that code, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Ike, Mike Tomlin making it official today that Mason Rudolph will start Sunday for the Steelers. There was nothing I saw that he did where I would say he didn't deserve another opportunity against the Bengals. To me, though, Mike Tomlin handled this masterfully on Tuesday when he talked with reporters earlier this week saying, oh, we're still in the same spot as a week ago. Kenny Pickett coming off tightrope ankle surgery, and we don't know. We'll see how he progresses. Mason will probably get the ball. The question I have now is, now that we know Mason Rudolph will get the start, who is Rudolph's backup come Sunday? Is it going to be Pickett or is it going to be Mitch Trubisky? That's what I have my eyes on. Some beautiful work by Mike Tomlin in handling the PR side of this to say, hey, we don't have a quarterback controversy in Pittsburgh, but Mason Rudolph did some things with this offense a week ago that I haven't seen from the quarterback position for a very long time from a Steelers standpoint. What say you, Ike Taylor? I mean, confident in throwing throwing the deep balls, confident in checking his reads, confident in scrambling, stepping up in the pocket. Confident and just understanding, you know, when you have a guy like George Pickens on your side, just give him a chance and he's going to make a play, whether it's a 50-50 ball or slant to the crib. Just confident enough to scan the field and see Jalen Warren coming on a coming across field, giving him a three-yard pass, and he turns it into a 17-yard game. Just confident like that. Confident enough when you say break and you snap that huddle and you understand Mason going to give you the best opportunity right now to win a ball game. That kind of confidence because – we haven't seen that kind of explosiveness in that offense until Mason Rudolph came into the picture. And don't forget, Mason Rudolph, before that game, he was 6-4. and four. So his record wasn't bad as a starter. So Mason felt like he got shortcutted a lot of opportunities in that offense, so he made a statement. And he, and they, and he gave Pittsburgh their best chance, Mark. Yeah, I, the key I take away from that, you mentioned George Pickens right off the top, where he has four catches almost 200 yards, two touchdowns. It was getting the ball to your best player. Like, it's as simple as that. Pickens has taken a lot of criticism, and rightfully so, for not blocking for his teammates in previous weeks. 
But you can understand the frustration because when the Steelers can get him the football, you can see how special of a player he is. And Ike, when you've been telling me this since training camp, since you've gone to the practices, you played every receiver, both in practice against the Steelers, against your teammates, but all the star receivers in the league, you played from 03 to 14. When you tell me George Pickens an alien, George Pickens is a special talent. He's a really good player. I listen to that. When people are watching this on YouTube and they're watching it streaming, take what Ike is saying seriously because he has seen the best of the best when it comes to the receiver position in this league and talking about George Pickens' ability. So you have a quarterback that says, I am going to prioritize getting him the football down the field in space where he can make plays with the ball in his hands. You see what happens last week when they light it up against the Bengals. I mean, look at it like this. When you look on social media and they're talking about memes and they talk about blocking and they're talking about a receiver who blocking cornerbacks, who they talk about? They talk about GP. When GP says, man, he gets mad when he's not getting the ball, so he takes his frustration out on blocking, you talk about GP. So now GP come up with a shoot a few short haps in the ball game, and we say it's his problem. I know one thing for sure, two things for certain. When it comes down to GP and that blocking, the most consistent receiver in the league has been GP, and that's been the time since he stepped on the field as a rookie. So you can say what you want to say. I just know for the past two years, with everybody talking about GP, who is probably the best receiver blocking and doesn't get as many targets as all the other receivers is GP. So when he does have frustration, I totally understand that he's still, he's, he's still working on his maturity part, so I get all that. But, man, who, blo- who blocks better than GP at the wide receiver position consistently, Mark? Like two things for sure, one thing for certain. Do you see the two mouthpieces, one red yeah, and one he's, green? He's different. He's different, bro. That's that what I'm saying. Like, he the, only, he the only one thinking about that. Dude had the green, then he had the red, and he's like, why he got a green and a red? Oh, it's... It's December. It's around Christmas time. Only GP doing some stuff like that. I hope that's not a tell of like, oh, it's going to be red if it's a run player. It's going to be green if it's coming my way. Uh, I hope if he rocks both mouthpieces, just stick to one. I don't want that to be a tell for the defensive standpoint. Like I look at this stuff and maybe I nerd out about it too much, but you're shaking your nah, head. It's, 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 far, it's style. It's swag. It's his pers- it has nothing to do with a tell. Uh, if, if you're going to tell the tape, just watch the tape. So the tell of the tape is if, if you give him six or more targets, he probably, he probably wind up having 200 yards. He went for 195 off a couple of catches. Yeah, yeah. And it was Rudolph stepping up into the pocket. It was, okay, I'll throw it away if it's not there. Live to see another down. Live to see another series. It's winning the turnover battle, 3-0. Now, I'll say this. Pittsburgh had Cincinnati's number this year because if you remember back to the game earlier this year in Cincinnati, the first game without Matt Canada, the Steelers go for 400 yards of offense. I want to see this replicated another week with Rudolph leading the charge of, okay, is it just Cincinnati that for whatever reason or another, you have their number? But again, I go back to there was nothing that Rudolph did in that game, Ike, where it was like, Oh, he doesn't deserve another opportunity. You could see it on the screen, the body language of everyone on the offensive side of the football where it's like, oh, the some finally equaled its parts and we saw what this offense can do. And I look at it from this week of 
okay, if Seattle wants to take away GP and double him, and you have one-on-one opportunities with Deontay, Fryermuth, getting the running game going. If you want to take away Pickens by doubling him, those other guys have to eat. That's kind of how I'm approaching this weekend's game against the Seahawks. I mean, you got to understand, too, like, the Brown in the quarterback for 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 the Cincinnati Bengals, he was hot the past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he was like, he was lighting the offense up. He was coming from behind. So you you looking at quarterback versus quarterback, Cincinnati came in hot on the offensive side, to be honest with you. Um, T. Higgins finished off with a good game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, let alone the week before that, had a crucial late um, touchdown, wind up winning the game. So it, it's just when you – Tyler Boyd, you know, he always been a Steeler killer from the city of Pittsburgh. Cincinnati wind up drafting him. He's been a dog in the slot. Um, Jamar Chase just got hurt a couple of weeks ago, but from the same time, Browning has been a stud when it came down to the quarterback position for the Cincinnati Bengals. And what the Pittsburgh Steelers defense do? They wind up cooling them all, and Mason wind up getting uh, catching fire. So I get it. It, it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, Cincinnati wasn't doing their thing. They wasn't on a roll in the past couple of games when it came down to facing the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just the Pittsburgh Steelers understood how important that game was. Their back was against the wall and starting Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer wound up coming down with Santa and giving some toys, but he was giving the toys to the Pittsburgh Steelers and he was taking the toys away from the Cincinnati Bengals. Like you say, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, I call it the Mason Rudolph Festivus game on the 23rd. And we didn't even have to have the airing of the grievances. We could have the feats of strength. And that's how I'm going to remember that one to keep the Steelers season alive. No, nah, I mean, if Mason play, if Mason continue to play like that, he's going to give you know the Pittsburgh Steelers um, a chance to win a ball game. We've been talking about 21, 24 points. If the Pittsburgh Steelers can gather 21, 24 max when it comes down to the points, the way the defense is playing, a hurting defense is playing with TJ and White, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we saw that against the Cincinnati Bengals. Ike, very well put. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to talk a little bit about the Steelers' playoff path. And I also want to discuss, you know, I'm going to be scoreboard watching a little bit in this game because the Steelers need to win in the final two weeks. But the biggest game that you have to keep your eye on this weekend if you're a Steelers fan is Dolphins-Ravens. And here's why this is huge. If Baltimore wins, they clinch the top seed in the AFC, likely rest their starters in Week 18, a game that's going to be played in Baltimore. Now, Miami's going to be playing Buffalo, likely for the AFC East title. And it would take a Steelers win against Baltimore and a Miami win against Buffalo, and then Pittsburgh would be in. But that's the game that you need to watch. Dolphins, Ravens this season, uh, uh, this weekend, because the stakes are huge and there are re- ramifications for Week 18. It's not going to be easy either way to beat Baltimore, but it will be certainly easier if they're resting their starters versus to say, hey, we're still fighting for playoff positioning and for that one seed potentially in Week 18 following this week's game. I'm not saying look past the Seahawks, Ike, but I'm trying to chart out, okay, how could Pittsburgh get back in in this wild card race in the AFC? Yeah, from a fan perspective, we got to look past the Seahawks. From a player and a coach staff perspective, you can't look past the Seahawks. we got a game on Sunday, 4 or 5 Eastern, 1 o'clock West Coast time, so you got to handle business to give yourself an opportunity to look at the scenarios when you win the ball game. Yeah, Ike, uh, over under at 40 and a half points. 
Seahawks enter this game at home in Seattle, three and a half point favorites. Seahawks right now going into week 17 have the seventh seed in the NFC. So they're fighting and jockeying for position. And Geno Smith's going to be back uh, for Seattle. They've been guided by Drew Locke off the bench, my guy from Mizzou. And he's done a great job filling in for Geno Smith. But it, they're going to go back to Geno this weekend. And so maybe he's a little bit rusty against Pittsburgh. You can hope. But, uh, Ike, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said the Steelers defense is going to have its work cut out for it with the injuries, uh, particularly at the linebacker position. You know, I think about it with Cole Holcomb out, Quan Alexander out with season-ending injuries. And Landon Roberts, who has been terrific for the Steelers, will miss this game. Minka Fitzpatrick will be out again with a knee injury. So you have several key defensive starters who will be out for Pittsburgh. And how Pittsburgh has filled that void, uh, it's been remarkable. And Patrick Peterson moving over from corner to playing safety. Uh, it's something that I know a lot of DBs need to do to prolong their careers, but the Steelers are fortunate to have someone who's capable of doing that and making that transition mid-season without the likes of a Minka Fitzpatrick, without the likes of Keanu Neal. This is a defense that's been very, very beat up, but it's given opportunities to young players, and for the most part, I think they're making the most of those opportunities to get playing time and significant playing time when these games are absolutely crucial, must-win games down the stretch of the season. Yeah, Coach T got a saying called, uh, people don't care about your problems, they're glad you got them. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is looking looking at right now. Don't nobody care who's injured. Don't nobody care who's hurt. Don't nobody care at the linebacker position, how many starters are down. Don't nobody care about Minka being out. The only thing what the coaching staff is caring about now with the young guys is getting the opportunity of you're a young guy making the play simplifying the defense so everybody's running fast, nobody's thinking, and understanding the situation and the scenario you're in when it comes down to pushing for the playoff run. Yes, yes, Ike. So if the Steelers get to 10-7, and seven, meaning they'd win their final two weeks of the uh, – in the final two weeks they of the hit. regular season. Pittsburgh win the next two, they're automatically in. They win the next two. Well, they would need a Buffalo loss. One of these scenarios, they'd need a Buffalo loss, a Jaguars loss, uh, Texans Colts week 18 winner to lose I ain't worried about the Jaguars or the two Jaguars Browns did. losses. So they would need one of those things to happen. If the Steelers won both of the next two weeks, Correct. there are great, great odds of Pittsburgh getting into the yeah, playoffs. So I ain't worried about Jacksonville, man. I just, I just seen what Jacksonville did with that terrible, terrible towel. And I keep telling people, Karma. Man, when you, when you, when you mess with my, with that Myron Cope towel, Nothing good happens after that. And we've seen everything go downhill with the Jacksonville Jaguars when they messed with that Myron Cope towel. Cincinnati caught it when I played the early 2000s. They didn't mess around. The shoe shine they shoe. They was disrespecting that towel. And what happened? And then fast forward, damn this, 17 years later, here come the Jacksonville Jaguars disrespecting that Myron Cope towel. And guess what happened? So Pittsburgh wind up winning the next two games. I'm not worrying about Jacksonville. Jacksonville disrespected that Myron Cope, Myron, uh, Cope Tower. So I know he looking down and he putting a little jinx on him. So I ain't even tripping. Petty Ike got on the podcast today. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. You, Ike, it's like you've seen this before almost, you know? <laughs> like it's. <laughs> leave that towel alone, man. Leave, leave it. Leave it. You know, it, it means that's the, uh, that's the voice. That towel is the voice. Of Pittsburgh, not not only not only just for football, like the voice of that city. And Myron Cope 
the the late great Myron Cope, um, the legendary broadcaster for the Pittsburgh mm -hmm. Steelers for years. Uh, what that was? Nineteen? Is it nineteen eighty nine? Nineteen? He came one of them nines. He came out with that terrible tower in Pittsburgh City. I haven't been the same since. Man, they embraced that tower. So the disrespect of that tower um, will haunt you. And that's exactly what's going on with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the Steelers color commentator for 35 years, Ike. And not just the creator of the terrible towel, but helping know what is now known as the Immaculate Reception. He, I believe, was responsible for help coining that phrase during his broadcast after the game of how we remember that play because it's got a great title of, oh, I know exactly what that is. Uh, a Pittsburgh legend, uh, and Ike, you're you're exactly right about all of that. Now, uh, I'm going to get to my score prediction, and then we got to talk some about TJ Watt, Ike, uh, as the Believe in Steelers show and him getting more consideration for Defensive Player of the Year. I have the Steelers winning 27-21. The last time we saw these two teams play, who was it? Late in the game. Defeating triple teams, strip sack, force fumble. It was TJ Watt. It was TJ Watt. I don't understand when I look at Miles Garrett, who's a great player, Micah Parsons, who's a great player, who are odds on's favorites to win defensive player of the year. And pretty much in every statistical category, TJ Watt has better numbers. Now, is it a team record then because right. the Steelers aren't where the Cowboys are or where the Browns are? This is no disrespect to Miles Garrett. His one sack in the month of December. So why Watt isn't getting higher consideration for Defensive Player of the Year when he leads the NFL in sacks, he's tied for first in hits, fumble recoveries, he's tied for second, four forced fumbles tied for fifth, tied for sixth and tackle for a loss. But honestly, I'm looking at the stats right now. He has more sacks, more quarterback hits, more pressures, more tackles for loss, more tackles, more interceptions, more forced fumbles, more fumble recoveries, more pass deflections, and more touchdowns than Garrett and Parsons individually. Yeah, so I, what, what are we see, what are we talking about? I, know, why I is it he getting consideration? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all good, but this 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 the three stats. I like what you said coming from the outside linebacker position. Pass deflections. Force fumbles, interceptions. When the two stats I say pass deflections, you was like, oh, what corner are we talking about? When the next when the next category you say interceptions, you be like, what corner are we talking about? You're like, no, I ain't talking about the corner. I'm talking about the outside linebacker. Well, who? TJ Watt. See everybody else you named, Micah and and and, and Jared. I mean, uh I drew a blank that fast. My, uh Micah Miles Parsons Garrett. and Miles Garrett. Yeah, Miles Garrett, like. Don't get me wrong, man. There's some hell of a football players. Mm -hmm. they, they some studs on the field. But when you think about them, you're not thinking about interceptions. You're not thinking about pass deflections. You're not thinking about touchdowns. But you can say that about a TJ Watt. When you think about Michael Parsons, you think about somebody who's super, super talented. Going to get to the quarterback whenever he wants to. But at the same time, comparing him to the great, the great Lawrence Taylor. But at the same time, we're not talking about interceptions with Michael Parsons. We're not talking about PBUs or Michael Parsons. When you look at when you look at Miles Garrett, you talking about a stud. Every other week, they wind up drug testing the man because he looks like somebody from outer space. But we're not talking about no PBUs. We're not talking about pass deflections. We're not talking about interceptions. We're not talking about interceptions to the house. So when you say all this, 
you look at categories that you will probably categorize at other positions, but it's just coming from one person, and that's TJ White. So what are we talking about? I'm going to piggyback off this too, Ike. Think about all the games where he doesn't have Cam Hayward. People who watch football know what he brings to the table of what he does at the line of scrimmage. He'd play for half the season without his other best pass rusher. No no disrespect to Alex Highsmith or any of the other Steelers rushers, uh, whether it's defensive linemen or whoever, whichever edge rushers paired opposite Watt. So like to piggyback onto that too. And so then it's like, okay, is this a team award or is this the defensive player of the year? What, what are we talking about in terms of how we define this? And as a Steelers show, we need to bring this out onto the forefront of why TJ Watts not getting more consideration. And let me leave you with this too. If TJ Watt gets three more sacks this season, he'd become only the fourth player in league history to have multiple seasons with 20 plus sacks. And let me read you the list that he would join Ike, Deacon Jones, Mark Gastineau, JJ Watt, his brother. Some pretty good company to be in. Yeah, that's the VIP company right there. That's that A list celebrity company. That's that, uh, excuse me, I got 17 bodyguards around me company. That's that Hall of Fame company. That's that, uh, we talking about defensive player of the year, damn near every year kind of company. And his name is TJ Watt. So when we're talking about TJ Watt and you're doing some kind of comparison with other good athletes in the NFL at his position, I get it. You got you to gotta make your statement, make your case. But at the same time, we're just going to deal with facts. So the fact that I'm categorizing TJ Watt, not only as being a sack master, but having pass deflection, having forced fumbles, causing fumbles, and picking up fumbles and taking them to the house, and having interceptions and taking it to the house. Man, you got you to... I ain't saying you got to give it to T.J. Watt. He deserves to be defensive player of the year because we all know when T.J. Watt don't play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers don't win ball games. So that's letting you know how valuable he is, not only to the to the defensive side, but to the team as well. All right, Ike, we will continue on. A lot to still get to. Steelers signing linebacker Jalen Smith to the practice squad. A player I liked coming out of Notre Dame, had a knee injury. He was a pro bowler at one point in Dallas. He's bounced around the league. Steelers just need depth and they need health at this position because going into the year, it was, okay, we're going to have three to fulfill two positions in Cole Holcomb, Quan Alexander, and Landon Roberts. Landon Roberts, it sounds like, is going to be back at some point this season, but he'll miss this week against Seattle. He has been terrific, especially in the absence of those other two players I just mentioned. But it's just the depth that I worry about where it's like, man, I thought Omar Khan did a great job in fulfilling that role of, okay, these are the players that are going to take over for Miles Jack, who's now back with the Steelers, and then Devin Bush. I'm sorry, Ike? Miles Miles coming out of retirement, man. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you've got Michael Walker who's going to be filling that void, Miles Jack, Blake Martinez, Mark Robinson's got in there. You just have players that don't have the same level of experience in – when the three were healthy and Holcomb, Alexander, and Roberts, they were really doing their things, making plays, flying to the football. Like It is a concern that I have in the last few weeks of the season. They always say the best ability is availability. It is, but what you do as a defense coordinator, you just simplify, simplify the defense, especially when you got the guys at the main position, at that linebacker position, um, who have to communicate with everybody, whether, that, whether it's the secondary 
or whether it's the defensive line, they gotta they gotta be the generals on the field. And what you do if a guy haven't been in training camp with you, you just simplify the whole defense and make everybody run around fast, not having everybody thinking. Mm, so kind of more of a read and react style, Ike. And then I try to pick up on the Tomlinisms too. I have to say this just for full transparency right. of our listeners and viewers, Ike. I do have concern too about the seriousness of Minka Fitzpatrick's knee injury. He'll be out again. It didn't sound like he would be back anytime soon. Maybe if the Steelers make the playoffs, keep an eye on that in week 18 against Baltimore. Can you get Minka back? Doesn't have any turnovers this season, Ike, but we've been waiting for it. He's coming off a year. We had six interceptions. So when they come, they come in bunches for Minka. Uh, I have also, again, just concern of how severe is that knee injury. And maybe it's something we don't find out about until like after the season. It's like, oh, yeah, he has surgery, let's say. I'm projecting here, but I try to pick up on how Mike Tomlin addresses these things when he speaks publicly. And it's like you kind of have to read between the lines in terms of what he's saying. Minka will be out against the Seahawks as well. Yeah, whatever Minka got going on, you just let Minka rest. You don't want to jeopardize or short-term fix for a long-term career if I'm a coach. So that's that's how I'm looking at how Coach T is handling this situation. All right, Ike, we will go to... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They announced the finalists for the Hall of Fame. Heinz Ward, James Harrison did not make the 15 finalists. I think they go from 15 to 10 and then they'll announce who up to five players are. There's usually five per class. Uh, I do think that both Harrison and Ward are deserving, but I'm just looking at this list. And the reason I say Ward is you look at the list and you say, well, maybe Reggie Wayne or maybe Andre Johnson or Tory Holt are more deserving. Maybe I look at it from the standpoint of, well, okay, Heinz Ward might not have the stats, but if someone like Andre Reed is in the Hall of Fame, Ward has better stats. He has the two Super Bowl rings and a Super Bowl MVP, a ferocious blocker, a guy who is always open, not always the fastest guy in the field, just found ways to consistently make plays. And with Harrison, you always mention this too, Ike, with what the Steelers do with their outside linebackers, not required to rush on every play. I think of two things when I think of Harrison. I think about the pick six in the Super Bowl, the greatest defensive play in Super Bowl history. You were on the field for that. And I think about that Monday night football game against the Baltimore Ravens, where if you look at his stat line, it is one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from a defensive player. I mean, this, this has been going on since I've been playing. And the media has been saying this since I've been playing low-key. They say we got too many people in the Hall of Fame. So I can't fault I can't fault the front office for knowing how to damn draft Hall of Fame caliber guys. I can't front I can't fault the front office for going late round and getting Hall of Fame guys who wind up being Hall of Fame guys. I can't I can't I cannot uh, fault the front office 
for going to HBCU colleges back in the seventies when nobody mm -hmm. was thinking about that and wind up getting the mean Joe Greens and company. I can't fault the front office for knowing exactly um, how to draft and what to look for in the style of a Steelers play. I can't front, I can't fault the front office for that. So me saying that is we can't help that we have Hall of Famers. I can't help I didn't play with Hall of Famers. I can't help some of my coaches been Hall of Famers. I just can't help that. But it's sad when somebody is deserving like a Hans Ward, when somebody is deserving like a James Harrison, and they're still getting shortcutted out the Hall of Fame. So in my mind, when I first got to the to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm thinking 20 years later, this is true. So what you were saying back in the day, we already got too many in there. Y'all really do feel like that. But don't fault the front office for knowing how to draft players. I think about if their contributions were with other organizations, would they Easy. be remembered differently? Easy. But Easy. Pittsburgh has a winning tradition. Easy. Easy. If it was any other organization, Hines would have been in. Debo would have been in. I'm talking about two years after. They ain't even had to wait to five. Ike, uh, do you want me to read you the list of finalists? Because I kind of have of like who's for sure getting in uh, in this class. I think there are two, probably three that are in for sure. Uh, I think Julius Peppers, who's eligible for the first year, is a, a no-brainer, no doubt. Uh, the other ones that I had bolded, uh, Patrick Willis, uh, Rodney Harrison, and then Devin Hester. Because I think about it where it's like, are they one of ones? Could they replicate you know, is this player similar to other players or were they their own unique individual? Um, I can read you the list of 15, but those were four that I'm like, okay, who's getting in, in this class? Again, so the ones that I, getting in? I'm sorry. Is five getting in? They usually put five in. You have to get uh, the committee. I believe it's uh, above 80%. Uh, they have a committee that votes, but usually there's five per class. And it's like, this is the issue each year where, it's not like other leagues where they can put as many as they want to. They go from the 15 finalists. I think they narrow it to 10 and then they'll announce the, the five up to five that can get in like right around the Super Bowl time. And it's, it's tough every single year. I, I think they'll put five in. I think you, because there are so many players that are deserving might as well put five in versus say, Oh, someone wasn't quite worth it. Yeah. I mean, do you want me to read you the list of players? Ike? Yeah, let me hit a list. Eric Allen, the defensive Corner. back. Jared Corner. Allen. Right. Willie Anderson, the offensive lineman for the Bengals. Right. Jahari Evans, offensive lineman for the Saints. Dwight Freeney, Antonio Gates, Rodney Harrison, Devin Hester, Torrey Holt, Andre Johnson, Julius Peppers, Fred Taylor, Reggie Wayne, Patrick Willis, Darren Woodson. Heck of a list there. Yeah, Fred T, one of a kind. Julius Peppers, one of a kind. Devin Hester, one of a kind. Mm -hmm. I mean, all these guys are special. I'm, I'm just coming off the dome. Willie Anderson, one of a kind. Andre Johnson, one of a kind. Yeah. So them, them are one of a kinds. And I played, I either played against, against or with at some point in time. I remember Eric Allen. Uh, Light-skinned Eric Allen with the green eyes. Um, dog on the field. Super savvy, super smooth technician. Um, but, yeah, them guys I just named off the top, off the T.O.P. of my brain, 
one of a kind. Devin Hester don't come around often. Julius Peppers, I remember him playing basketball with Rasheed Wallace and them boys and mm -hmm. Jerry Stackhouse from North Carolina being a dog on the basketball court. They don't come around too often. He just chose to play football. Yeah, them guys don't come around too often. So the guys I named, Willie Dog, Stud, um, all pro, pro bowl, offensive linemen, they don't, they just don't come around too often, bro. So I, I get the TV station. I work at WRL in Raleigh, North Carolina. We have footage from back in the day when Julius yeah, Peppers was, was playing player. high school football. He played running back in high school. <laughs> yeah, here's my I mean, I watched I watched Julius Peppers. I watched Julius Peppers. I still remember the starting lineup. It was Ed Coda, Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace, Julius Peppers, and I'm and I'm and I'm missing one. Like I remember clearly them them four or five at North Carolina yeah. when a great basketball, Dean, basketball. When Dean Smith was sitting over there, man. I I, I remember clear i'm like man they got a god day but you was my favorite player he was he, oh 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 vince carter look at that lineup <laughs> look at that lineup ed coda vince carter jerry stackhouse rasheed wallace julius peppers now we talking about first round first round first round ed ed coda went overseas and he played overseas for a little bit and julius went first round draft pick in the nfl we talking about him being on the hall of fame ballot come on bro I remember, I remember that basketball team clearly. He's one of the best players, one of the best athletes, athletes. in the history of the state of North Carolina. He's like one just, of the best athletes to play in college, in co two yeah. sports in college. Yeah. He, he Again, we have footage from when he was a high school player, Ike, and he's running with the football in his hands, and it's like Paul Bunyan versus the Pop Warner, the way that it looks on tape. It's it's seriously amazing Mark, just, stuff. Just, Mark, but Mark, we're talking about football. We're talking about how he dominated football. Just think about basketball at a collegiate level when Dean Smith was at, was at one of his peaks. Ed Coda, Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, Vince Carter, Julius Peppers. Vince Carter played damn near 25 years in the NBA. Rasheed mm -hmm. Wallace was a dog in the NBA. Jerry Stackhouse was a first-round draft pick in the NBA. Easy bucket, Ed, easy bucket. Ed Coda, Ed Coda, probably one of the best handles I've seen as a point guard. And this man wound up playing football, about to go to the Hall of Fame, but he was in the starting five for the for the North Carolina uh, Tar Heels with Dean Smith. Come on, bro. Ike, I got to give Devin Hester some due, too. I've told you about him growing up. Uh, the memory that sticks out for him my brother won the state championship uh, with Naperville North. This would have been in the fall of 2007. So the Saturday night, they play the state title game. They win. And we had two tickets to the game. So initially, my brother was going to go with my mom. We had won tickets. And my brother's with his teammates, want to be around his teammates. So my mom and I go to the game. We go to Bears-Broncos. This is the year after the Bears had gone to the Super Bowl and Hester ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. And so we go to this Bears Broncos game. That is just absolutely brutal. It's freezing cold. It's about 32 degrees. Snow's coming down. You've got the lake effects, uh, cold. And we saw Hester run not one, but two. Uh, he ran a kickoff back and a punt return back to help spur the Bears. So with about seven and a half minutes left in the game, Bears are down 14. And my mom's like, she hears what no teenager ever wants to hear. She's like, do you want to leave to beat traffic? We could make it back. This game's probably over. And I go, I want to see if Hester can run one more back. 
and they line up for the punt, and your college teammate, Peanut Tillman, blocks the punt. Bears get the ball back, score. Defense gets a stop. Offense scores again with little time left in regulation, and they go down and get the game-winning field goal in overtime. And the Bears didn't finish where they needed to that year. They finished fourth in the division a year after going to the Super Bowl. But for one more Sunday, Hester helped keep this Bears season alive. And when I think about true greatness and crank that soldier boy and the fans going nuts, it's unlike anything I've ever seen in an NFL stadium before. You couldn't kick to the guy. And you you usually go to the bathroom of, oh, they're going to get the ball back. I'll beat the commercial break. When he was on the field, that's the thing that I want to watch. Yeah, I mean, one of a kind. I mean, they didn't know they didn't know what to do with him at Miami. They didn't know whether to put him on offense or defense. They said, "F it, we just gonna play him on both. He gonna play offense and defense. He gets to the league. They ain't know what to do with him in the league. We are gonna put him on offense and defense." They said, "Hey, he gonna he gonna play offense and defense in the league." So, how many guys can say they play multiple positions at a college level and at a professional level? Okay, well, let's sneak him down on a on a on a specialist return. Sneaking down on a specialist return. It's like, oh snap. So he just need the ball one time and just give him a crease, not even not even a hole, just give him a crease or give him an angle and he gonna take off. Yeah, so touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Every time you kick the ball off or point it to Devin Hester, what you did when you were sitting on when you were sitting on your couch, you wind up sitting on the edge of your seat, like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat right now doing this podcast, because you knew sooner or later he was gonna make a play. You go to the Super Bowl, the first, the first kickoff of the Super Bowl. What Devin has to, what Devin has to wind up doing? He did exactly what you thought he was going to do. Usually, people when you think they're going to do something, they usually don't do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, has said, you know what, man, just call me FedEx because I always can live on time. You kick the ball to Devin Hester. Devin has to wind up scoring the first possession of the Super Bowl, and you take off from there. When you needed a play, when you need somebody to reverse a field, when you need somebody to go off script, when it came down to a return, man. Who you didn't addict, uh, who you didn't or kick the ball to, you kicked Devin Hester, whether you wanted to or not. See, nowadays they're kicking it out of bounds. Back in the day, it was too much pride, too much ego, so you kicked it to him. And what he made you do? Come see me at this toll. And for this toll, I'm gonna cost you jobs. I'm gonna cost I'm gonna cost your special team coach to get fired, and I'm gonna cost your head coach for okaying that decision to kick it to me. So that's exactly what Devin Hester was doing on a daily basis when it came down to the NFL, when you want to talk about one of the best punt returners in NFL history or return man, period, you got to talk about Devin Hester. So, yes, he is one of a kind. We called my dad after the game, and he had napped through the second half thinking he was a genius because it was a miserable first half. Like, like, it was just, like, hardly any points. It was like, what was the point in making this trek there? And it was one of those days where, like, my mom got us hot chocolate. It wasn't because I liked hot chocolate as a kid. It was to stay warm. And we call my dad just so fired up after the game. And he's just like, what are you talking about? It's like, Hester, did you not see what happens? And then, you know, he's got to watch the highlights on TV later on. And uh, it's just such a special memory, a great football weekend with my family, Ike. And it's something I'll always remember. And it's some, it's part of the reason why I thought he should have gone in on first ballot. But uh, in terms of the return game, there's no one ever better to do it. When you think of the greatest return man ever, the answer is Devin Hester, and that's why I think he belongs in the hall. But I, I could make a case for each of these guys, Ike, in all seriousness. Yeah, I mean, Hester Hall of Fame. I mean, he's a, he's one of a kind of Hall of Fame. I mean, you know how hard it is just to get one opportunity? 
and, and, and score a touchdown. Hester was doing that on a daily basis in the game. You know how hard it is, you know how hard it is to catch one pass, or catch one reception and score? <laughs> That's what Devin Hester was doing. Yeah. On a on a week in and week out, when it came down to let's say two, you kicked the ball to him twice. One of them he was gonna break for a long day, and the other one he was gonna take it to the house. You know how hard it is on a consistent basis? That's all Hess was doing. So yes, he's special. Yes, he had vision. Yes, he had the speed. Yes, he was very instinctive when it comes down to setting plays up and getting guys so they can block for him. That was Hess. Everybody don't have them all three, all three, three of them traits when it comes down to be a returner. Hess had that. Hess had, and he played a multiple positions. If Hess would have came out right now, they would have put Hess as Debo, Debo Sanders right now. He would have been in the slot. He would have been outside. He would have been at running back. If if, if has a little bit different, bro. If offensive coordinators knew what they knew now and mm. how to use guys like Devin Hester, especially with his speed, it would it would have NFL wouldn't have been ready. We wasn't ready back in the day for Hester as a returner, let alone right now. You give an offensive coordinator Devin Hester now because he's not a small guy. He's a, he's a thick dude. So you 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 line him up in them jet sweeps. You line him up in the slot, and he going against the third corner outside linebacker or safety. Or if you just want him to run a go and clear and just clear and take the top off the roof, roof so somebody else can have opportunity to catch it. But that was Hess. And you put him at running back. That's Hess. That's Hess. So, yes, Hess is one of a kind for sure. You ever see the punt return he had against Duke when he was still at the U? Where he's running backwards and the announcers are laughing at him and then he winds up in the end zone. It's like, how did that just happen? Different, bro. Yeah. Different. Uh, Ike, we will keep this rolling. few things left to get to. Two more topics. Broncos are planning to release Russell Wilson. And I want to see this, uh, say this from the Steelers' standpoint. This is my opinion. I'm going to borrow Mike Tomlin's line here, okay? I'm not going to say never in Pittsburgh, but never. So where Russell Wilson winds up, uh, I think you run it back with Kenny Pickett and a new OC this upcoming year. Uh where Russell winds up, I think there are two really good options for him. Go back to the NFC. Minnesota would be a great option for him with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, decent running game. I also think Russell Wilson, NFC, potentially the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if they want to keep Baker Mayfield. Uh, I've got the odds, Ike, but how do you think this plays out with Russell Wilson? Because it looks like his time in Denver will be over after this season. At what cost? That's that's what it's gonna come down to. The mm. big contract days over with, bro. That was your last big one. And Sean Payton looked at it like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bring this guy here. And I like this draft that's coming up, this 2024 draft with these quarterbacks coming in this in this class, and I'm gonna pick one of them. So now the way he's going about it, Coach Sean Payton's going about it, I do not like how he's going about it. But I understand, but for us. It's, 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 it's the money part. You know, it's, it's will he take a significant pay cut and plan somewhere else? Or will he will he ask for more than what he wants? So I think Russ going to come down to that decision. I think Russ has made a lot of money over the course of his career. He's very smart. Um, he, can hit, he can pretty much hit any avenue whether he wants to when his career is over, when you want to talk about broadcasting, coaching, or just getting in line of duty of anything dealing with football, Russ can do it. So I ain't worrying about Russ, but for now, in the offseason, that's that's going to be what does Russ want financially when it comes down to contracts 
is he going to overprice himself or is he just going to say, you know what, let me get on the team with the best uh, offensive weapons and coordinator that I can pick from and let's see if I can make another championship run. If you were advising him, is there a team you would say try to go to that team, Mike? Right now, I don't have a team. Okay. In I ain't even get that far. You wait, you, you like 10 steps ahead of me right now. That's fine. That's fine. I think that's very well said in terms of the contract. And I almost go back to, Ike, I, you know, we can talk about our personal experiences, right? And we've had other people on the show that are a lot smarter than I am. And they talk about your playing career where, Ike, I know you had other opportunities to sign with other teams where, okay, on paper, you're making more money. But then the moment that that team struggles, you're the first cap casualty. So it's finding the right fit for Wilson uh, and that monster contract, Ike. I mean, he will not get that again uh, now that he's well into his 30s as well. Uh, the Vikings are the odds-on favorite right now. Patriots are 6-1. to one. Commanders are 7-1 to one, along with the Raiders. Bears and Falcons in this mix. Uh, I'll say this too uh, with Russell Wilson. When it gets to both the coaching carousel and then the quarterback carousel, it's like domino. So when that starts in the offseason, Ike, it seems like there's a lot of change year in and year out of teams trying to make upgrades in both of those areas. We will see how all of that plays out. And I know it might seem a little bit unconventional, but the reason why the Broncos are doing this is because they've got to keep him healthy for that contract to where to say if they're going to get rid of him, he has to stay healthy for how his contract works out with that monster deal with the Broncos. So we'll see because the Broncos are going to go with Jared Stidham for the final two weeks of the season. Uh, Russell Wilson benched in Denver. We'll see how all that shakes out with Sean Payton and company. Ike, final topic of the show. College football playoff on New Year's Day. You've got Bama against Michigan. You've got Washington against Texas. How does this all shake out? Psychic Ike Taylor on the pod. What happens in the college football playoff? Bama back at it again. You're Bama in my did, brain. Bama then did it again. Nick, Nick, see, this is this is this is this is exactly how the story wants to go for Nick Saban. Beginning of the beginning of the season. You're flip-flopping quarterbacks. You wind up staying with Milro, and you say, "You know what? We're gonna ride this kid out." And what Milro has presented to you, not only does he look like a safety back there playing a six-three, two-thirty, three percent body fat quarterback who can, who can run, run, who can run, and not only can he run, he just got better every week. Every week, I just saw this man play the man and got better. So his reads got better. His feel for the pocket got better. His awareness got better. His throwing touch on the ball, whether he want to throw it with a zip or whether, whether he want to finesse it, then got better. So everything got better. Oh, oh my gosh. He's just so happy to be a certified athlete. That's what he's just so happy to be. So when you looking at all that, when you look at the offensive line, when you're looking at the defense, when you look at, you know, the, the growth and the maturity and the patience Coach Nick Saban had, because usually Coach Nick Saban, don't have no patience when it comes down to quarterbacks. He don't mind rotating quarterbacks at all. But the patience Coach Nick Saban had, the uh, adversity they had at the beginning of the year. And I say it all the time. If you're going to lose a football game in college, you got to lose in the beginning of the year. Because once you start losing at the end of the year, they throw that against you. Them games count. But just to see the role that the Alabama Crimson Tide has gone through, especially with that quarterback position, and it hasn't been an easy role for Coach Nick Saban because they haven't been dominating like Alabama been dominating for the past 10 years. 
But to see them back in the playoffs, that's one team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. That's one coach that you don't want to coach against in the playoffs. And that's Nick Saban. And I get the Michigans. They got a heck of a story. Their coach has, hasn't been in the building for a couple of weeks down there a month, and they still rolling. They winning ball games. They doing it for them. I'm looking at the Washington, you know, roster. I'm looking at two receivers probably go first, second round. I'm looking at the quarterback who overcame adversity when it came down to his to his knees and ACLs, not knowing whether he was going to play. But it's tough. I'm looking at, you know, the Texas roster and you seeing all that talent, whether it's a wide receiver or cornerback or running back. I'm looking at all that talent. But by the end of the day, if I was a betting man and I was going to go to betonline.ag and I had to put some money up, it's going to be Alabama, Nick Saban, and the Crimson Tide. I look at it from that standpoint, and then, Ike, let's go back and look at history and what history shows us. Let's look at the last 10 years, last 20 years. How many national championships coming from the SEC? We can talk about all these other great schools and these great players. Time and time again, the best of the best emerges from the SEC. It's been Georgia the last two years. Bam is going to get another crack at it. We will see. One thing I wanted to ask you about Milrow and Alabama, Ike. Bill O'Brien saying that Milrow shouldn't play quarterback, something that he didn't deny when asked about uh, when asked by reporters about this. This is Milrow. Once upon a time, there was a media member who said that you were the worst Steelers pick of all time before you even played a snap for the team. Right. What's that like to hear as a player? I mean, it's just like, you don't know no better. And, and for, for me, coming for who said it from my perspective, like, he ain't never played, so I won't trip him. Like, but you know, at the same time, I put it on my refrigerator, walk past it every day. That was a little bit of, you know, I already had fuel to the fire, just put some nitro on that thing. That's all that did for me. But for Milro, for, you know, you know, we always said, you know, for the New England Patriots, and this is no disrespect to Coach Belichick. Coach Belichick is a heck of, heck of a coach, Hall of Fame coach. I love him to death. But for Coach Bill O'Brien to say that, man, we always said it was Tom Brady as a player. We always said Tom Brady got everybody jobs. Well, we always said as a player, Tom Brady made everybody better. We always said Tom Brady, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Patriot way, it was the Tom Brady way. And we saw when Tom Brady left, and we saw other coaches when they left Tom Brady, what happened? They wasn't like they thought they was. So when it comes down to, to Coach Bill O'Brien saying that about, you know, Merrill, I'm like, okay, can you adjust to, can you adjust and open up your playbook? So do all your quarterbacks have to be pocket quarterbacks? Can you adjust? your playbook to where you got an athlete like that sitting at that quarterback position, you're able to use them. So can you adjust like high coach Harbaugh adjusting with Lamar Jackson? You know, he said, you know what? Let me just get rid of my OC. Let me find me an OC who will maximize Lamar talent. And we seeing what Lamar do. So can you adjust or do you, or, or do you still need a pocket quarterback at all times? So when I hear these guys say this, when I, when I, when I hear these offensive coordinators say this, say this about, you know, um, athletic, especially black quarterbacks, can you adjust your playbook? So that's 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 how I look at it coming from this, coming from Mirror. I'm like, that's a bad statement to say. Cause as players, we all felt it was the Tom Brady way. We all felt we all saw Tom Brady eyes go go gothic when it came down to the fourth quarter when you need four or five drives. We all saw how everybody played for Tom Brady. We all saw Tom Brady take take the pay cuts just to keep his boys around. 
we all heard the stories in Tom Brady when he wanted the 53rd man right next to him because he was at the bottom of the roster because he was a sixth-round draft pick. We all heard them stories. We all heard, you know, former players saying how cool Tom Brady is. Not only is he one of the boys, he really do care about his teammates. We all heard, you know, from a player's perspective, um, the passion, the camaraderie, the it ain't me, it's we coming from Tom Brady. We all heard other athletes and former players say, man, accountability, not only did he have on himself, but have on you as well. We all heard that. So when I hear these coaches talking, I just be laughing sometimes on the inside because it's all about Tom Brady. Tom Brady got that whole staff jobs. And once they left Tom Brady, not too many did good at all. We can go down, we can go down the roster when it came down to the coaching staff. And what Tom Brady does when it comes down to the COVID and the NFL still had the season. Went to Tampa, not even a full offseason. Got kicked out of playgrounds because a, a makeshift offseason, right? Yeah, got kicked out, got kicked out of playgrounds because they didn't want they didn't want guys to get together. And what he do? Come out with a come out with a Super Bowl and damn near six months when it came down to that. So that just showed you the time Brady away. So you can say what you want to say. One thing I said, one one thing I said, what I'm saying about these quarterbacks now, these quarterbacks can move, they're athletic, and they're not just sitting in the pocket. So as an offensive coordinator, you need to adjust. You need to open your mind. You need to figure out, man, how can I get my quarterback who's not going to be a pocket quarterback from this point on in the NFL to help us win ball games. Milrow is Alabama's most special player with the ball in his hands in the open field. He can run past anyone. And when he got benched earlier in the year, Alabama tried other quarterbacks. It, they were probably even worse than Milrow. It did not look good early in the season, Ike. I don't right. think that's a hyperbole to say. But when he came back, and Ike, you've told me this now for several years here on the show with how the quarterback position is played. When you can run the ball with your quarterback selectively, and especially at the definitely, college definitely. level, you can do this more than even in the pros, but it forces the defense to play an honest 11 on 11. Correct. Okay, well, let's look back at the Super Bowl this last year when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs won. It was that scramble late in the Super Bowl that helped seal and put the game away for the Chiefs. We forget about these things, but it's, yeah, you're going to need to make the passes down the field but if you can keep the clock moving and then you have an extra blocker because your quarterback can run with the ball, it is now an element of the game that if you're not utilizing with your playbook as an offense, you're now behind. You've got to be able to utilize that facet of football. And especially if you have a guy as talented with the ball in his hands as Jalen Milrow is, we'll see. We'll see how all this shakes out. I can look, uh, Alabama could lose. I, I don't think that they will. We'll talk about this a week from now and tell everyone, say, hey, we told you so here on the Believe in Steelers show. No, that's, I mean, he he's going to go to the next level. He's going to do well next level. He's going to find an offensive coordinator who knows exactly what to do with Milrose talent, and he's going to ball out. That's just where it's you, going. You think he has an NFL future? 100%. You just don't. You just don't sit. You just don't sit like that. You can't. This, this is not a pocket quarterback driven league anymore. Tom Brady, the Tom Brady's are gone. Um, is he, Aaron Rodgers ahead of his time? Like he can be a pocket quarterback if he want to, but please don't get it twisted. He'll scramble when he needs to scramble as well. So from Patrick Mahomes on down, um, the only pocket quarterback I really see now that's balling is Joe Burrow. 
He's like the a true pocket quarterback, old school pocket quarterback. Other than that, everybody is, is athletic. I'm talking about a pocket quarterback who's having success. Um, it's Joe Burrow. Other mm-hmm. than that, you have to have some kind of athleticism in you to give your team a chance. Ike, that is so well said. And I think that's a great place to wrap. Uh, Ike, this has been a terrific show. I want to thank you. You're the absolute best. Your insight, I learned something every single time we talk. So I want to thank you. I want to thank the listeners and the viewers of the Believe in Steelers show. Thank you for rocking with us with NFL Week 17, Steelers in Seahawks. Thank the Believe Network and then today's presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag as well. Ike on the streaming platforms, Apple and Spotify, five stars and five stars only. And on YouTube, tap that subscribe button. I concur with everything Mark said. I want to thank BetOnline.ag for rocking with us since day one. I want to thank Believe in Steelers. I want to thank Mark for rocking with me too as well. The bond and relationship is like family. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening to Mark and I. Make sure y'all subscribe to YouTube. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate everything. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for watching Believe in Steelers. We will see you in the new year, hopefully after a Steelers win over Seattle in Week 17. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.